0: Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL draft podcast brought to you by NFLdraftblitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex
1: Captov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 73. We've got a big show for you today, and we're going to start with the NFL action because we're taping on Sunday morning before the NFL games and we're just going to do a little quick preview. Let's start with the Monday night game, Ed. Uh, we've got the Jets versus the Browns, and Sam Darnold is is going to be away from the team. He's out with an illness. We we don't know how that how long that's going to last. And and Trevor Trevor Simeon is going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. What's just which is just preposterous. It would have been a fun game between the Browns and the Jets because we would have had the number one overall pick last year in Baker Mayfield go against the number three overall pick in, the, in Sam Darnold, and we would have seen how that was going to come out. Obviously, the Jets are in trouble right now with Sam Darnold being out.
0: Well, I still, I still would have picked Cleveland even if Sam Darnold was playing in this game, but the fact that the Jets don't have Sam Darnold really hurts them, and he, you know, the, the latest I've heard is he's going to be out three to seven weeks with mono, so um, the Jets are in big trouble.
1: They really are. But what about the Cleveland Browns, Ed? They didn't look good during week one. The Titans just completely... Uh... Trounced them, and they—they they really did. They were all over the field. They were able to get to Baker Mayfield, rushing four guys uh, on the defensive line. Offensive line couldn't block. Baker Mayfield threw three picks. The defense didn't look that good. They just looked. The Browns looked like they were in disarray. They've been everybody's darling during the off season. People have been picking them to to win the. Well, obviously the AFC North um, or getting in as the wild card, they certainly didn't look like a playoff team. So the Cleveland Browns have a lot to prove.
0: Well, they're still a young team with a new coach. So I think with the Browns, you got to really just trust the process and just, you know, wait and see with this team. Not not so much wait and see, but just, you know, get, give this team patience because the, I think they will be good in a couple of years and I think they have a lot of talent. But, you know, it's about getting them together and getting the right strategy and,
1: Um, you know,
0: that takes time. So, um, you know, it just, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, so are
1: you still a believer in the Browns? I mean, you, you were one of the people that pushed them into the playoffs. I mean, you're still a believer that this team has the capability of, uh, of getting into the playoffs.
0: To be honest, I, I like the Ravens a little bit more in the AFC North now that I've seen games play. I mean, the the Ravens really look like a dynamic offense. I mean, yeah, they played the Dolphins, but, I mean, they put up, like, college football-like numbers against the Dolphins.
1: And Monday Night Football, obviously the Browns, according to a Bovada sports book, uh, the Cleveland Browns are the favorites. They're minus seven. Um, so, obviously, that, that that's how they feel about it. With Sam Darnold being out, the Jets are are not going to be the favorites against anybody out there. Um, so you're a you're a believer in the Ravens. Obviously, Marquise Brown uh, he missed a lot of time recovering from that injury, came back, and he was he was explosive, man. With, with Lamar Jackson, they was that was a deadly pairing. I mean, we saw Marquise Brown being able to stretch the field and and gain yards after the catch. He looks like Deshaun Jackson 2.0.
0: Yeah, he really he really looks like he did in college. To be honest with you, it, it, it almost seems like he hasn't gone from college to the pro game in a year. And I hope I hope you know, Dolphins fans don't take that as too much of a slight. But um, you know, Marquise Brown is showing that he can be a slot guy. He can be their number one receiver in Baltimore, and that's what they've needed over the past couple of years because they haven't had a number one receiver.
1: Well, he was explosive. We, we knew that when he was coming out. Uh, speed kills in the NFL, it really does. I mean, when you're a, a 4-3 guy, uh, you're going to be able to stretch the field and, and make defenders miss on the open field. They just they need to get him the ball, and obviously Lamar Jackson looked terrific during Week 1 action. Well, We'll see what they're going to be able to do going forward. But uh, it, it's not a surprise why Marquise Brown was still the number one wide receiver taken in the first round. Uh, regardless of that injury that he had and he wasn't able to work out for teams but it's just explosive is the word that we used leading up to the draft and obviously he's been as as good as advertised
0: yeah and the curiosity is is where would he where would he have gone if he wasn't uh injured you know would he be a top 10 pick i mean is he worth a top 10 pick i mean you know usually slot guys aren't drafted that high but i mean are we kind of going to see a new trend in drafting
1: if Tavon Austin was a top ten pick, Marquise Brown would have been a top ten pick if it wasn't for that injury. I I believe that cold hardly. Um, I believe that he would have impressed teams at the scouting combine, or even if he didn't run, uh, he would have worked out privately and on those pro days. If he would have caught the ball better than what we saw during the Oklahoma State uh, Oklahoma Sooners days, I, I think he would have been just. He would have been there. He would have been. He would have still would have been the first wide receiver taken. He would have been a top ten pick. I, I really do believe that because this draft, this past draft, was lacking in playmakers on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't think this was a particularly good receiver draft. In fact, I, I mean, my guy Debo Samuel. It's still kind of uncertain whether he's going to live up to his draft billing or what I thought he would be, and and so i mean you know this wasn't this wasn't this year's receiver class i mean this year's receiver class there's so many guys you know from C.D. lamb to um the guy from oklahoma state to um just i mean i mean there's just there's just tons of guys
1: yeah tons of guys in this draft but marquise brown was um was one of the better ones in last year's draft if it wasn't for that injury he would have been a Top ten, top fifteen pick because teams love guys that that can score touchdowns from anywhere on the field. And you say he's a slot guy, but they can move him around. Ed. I mean, they can get creative on end arounds. They can move him to the outside. They can move him on the inside. Um, I I think he is he's a weapon that they can definitely use going forward. So Marquise Brown looks like looks like a dangerous guy. Um, Ed. Saints versus Rams. You and I talked about it off the air. That's the big game on Sunday. Um, New Orleans, Sean Payton, against the Rams, Sean McVay. Two explosive offenses. I guess the difference is going to be which defense is going to step up to the plate. And I think we've, we've seen both defenses being good at times, but they still have answers to. Uh, they still have questions to answer.
0: Well, I always think when it comes to the Saints and Rams, I think quarterback play the Saints have the edge, but I think the the Rams have it. And as far as roster depth, I mean, the the Rams have a better roster, but the Saints have, you know, just kind of more overall playmakers and better quarterback play. So, um, if I if I had to pick it, I, I mean, I picked the Saints to be in the Super Bowl, but you know, I could see I could see the Rams really wanting revenge this week. I mean, especially especially you know. Well, I mean, the Rams won last time, but they um, did. You know, I mean, this is going to be a big game. I just, I, I think the Rams, the Rams are just more talented in the roster.
1: They did, but the Rams looked rusty and uh, during week one, they um, they won the game. There's no question about it. But I saw Todd Gurley being limited. Uh, they really limited his carries, and I think that's something that we're gonna see a lot more of moving forward because it's a 16week season and McAvee is trying to 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 limit his star guy so he's gonna be fresh down the stretch or in the playoffs and and so I think that's that's gonna be the major thing going forward plus uh Jerry Goff wasn't as sharp as we saw and maybe that that Super Bowl hangover is is playing mind tricks with him I I want to see him being as confident as as I saw, especially in the second half of last year. I mean, he was just he was a different quarterback. I didn't see that during Week One. Rams offense was kind of it was kind of up and down, and I want to see more consistency out of them uh, against the Saints.
0: Yeah, so I mean, this week this week it doesn't have a lot of huge matchups, but I think that that you know that sort of middle of the Sunday game, I think that's the biggest game of the week this week.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. I I think it's going to be an offensive showdown. It just remains to be seen whether uh, defense can step up to the plate. Maybe it's Aaron Donald who's going to be disruptive behind the line of scrimmage and and getting pressure on Drew Brees and and the Saints. The the Saints have an underrated defense. Um, Their defensive line played well during Week 1 action. So that's the game to definitely watch, the the Saints versus the Rams. And Ed and I are are definitely going to be watching it. Um, Ed, let's... Let's talk about some more injuries in the NFL. Uh, during week one action, Nick Foles went down. The, they gave him a big salary. Uh, he got it from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was supposed to be their savior because the Jaguars still have a good defense. Nick Foles came in, and there was hope that maybe he can sneak him into the playoffs. Now he's out with a, with an injury, and uh, who is it? It's Gardner Minshew. The the Washington State rookie quarterback who is going to be getting the call. And that's, that's something I didn't expect. I mean, I expected maybe Dwayne Haskins to get the call. Maybe Daniel Jones to get the call. All of a sudden, Gardner Minshew is the sixth-round rookie quarterback that is thrown under the fire.
0: Yeah, well, Gardner Minshew sure has the fashion award. Um, I don't know if you've seen on sort of ESPN how he's... I don't know. He's kind of known for his mustache and style, but anyway, that's kind of a side note. Um, yeah, I, I don't like. I don't like the Jaguars' chances. I mean, Nick Foles has a broken, cla- fractured clavicle, and so um, he's going to be out. I mean, really, their quarterback. They got Gardner Minshew, who's a rookie, six round pick. I mean, he's the number one QB, and then their number two is Josh Dobbs, who was going to be the number three in Pittsburgh and was traded for a fifth round pick. So. I don't like I don't I don't like their quarterback play. I think the Jaguars are loaded on defense, but um, you know they have a lot of injuries too. I mean they they have a lot of guys who could be out this week. So um, you know I mean if if this were a stock, I would say sell sell the the Jaguars stock as soon as you can.
1: Uh, let me mention that you mentioned Joshua Dobbs. So obviously they they traded for him. What do you think? Do you think he's eventually going to be the starting guy because I'm sure Gardner Minshew is going to struggle. It's going to take him a while. He looked pretty good during preseason action, but preseason action is different from the regular season. So, you think Dobbs is going to get the call once he learns that offense? You know, the problem with Josh Dobbs is consistency. He has the big arm, he has the big leg,
0: but you know he can he's he's mobile, but he ju- he just He's never consistent and he's just never consistently accurate and that's what you want to see in an NFL quarterback. so um, you know people love the potential of Josh Dobbs, but I, 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 I don't know if you can rely on him at this point in his career. I mean he's a, he's the kind of guy who you know you hope kind of sticks around in the NFL and develops some consistency over more experience and preseason play but i'm not I'm not a big believer in Josh Dobbs.
1: Well, he was never going to get that chance with the Steelers. Um, obviously, you know he was vying for that backup job, but they decided to get rid of him. Uh, and obviously, Mason Rudolph now, the Oklahoma State product, is the backup quarterback. So obviously, this this is his best chance, Ed, to get that starting opportunity with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we'll see if he can he can beat out Gardner Minshew. I wanted to mention another injury, Ed. I, I think it's going to affect that offense. I wanted to talk about the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, the big playmaker, uh, the Marquise Brown type of playmaker, that they, they can score from anywhere on the field, a big time deep threat. He's also out with an injury right now. How is that gonna affect the the Chiefs offense? Obviously you still have Patrick Mahomes, you still have Travis Kelsey, you've got Miko Hardman possibly taking on that, that bigger role with Hill being out, but a rookie wide receiver is is still you're taking a step down a little bit from what you have with Tyreek Hill, and he's going to be out, apparently, for six to eight weeks.
0: Well, I, I see I see the Chiefs coasting and just keeping a good record and staying ahead of the AFC West, and, you know, when Tyreek Hill gets back, you know, they'll have the offense back together, and they'll be a dangerous team when they need him. so, um, yeah, yeah, this is an unfortunate injury, but I don't think it's going to kill the Chiefs.
1: Let's uh, get to week two of college football. We, we saw that yesterday. You and I were both watching those games, uh, a lot of them. Uh, we wanted to talk about Florida and Kentucky. Um, that, was, that was a huge game. Kentucky was up. Uh, they were up, what, 21-10, uh, to 10, I believe. Uh, Felipe Franks, who is the starting quarterback of the Florida Gators, if somebody doesn't know, if somebody missed the memo, Played last year. He was supposed to be the guy this year. I thought Florida was going to be a a top 10 team. They were going to be that surprise team that's going to win 9 or 10 games. Felipe Franks goes down. Trask goes in, who is the backup quarterback. He leads the Florida Gators to a big comeback victory. He scores 19 unanswered unanswered points. Florida Gators win the game against Kentucky 29-21. Obviously, that was a huge win. Uh, a, a huge pick me up kind of game. You know, a backup quarterback goes in, uh, gets hot, he leads them to victory. But Felipe Franks was their guy. He was their starting quarterback, the dual threat guy. How are they, how is Florida going to cope moving forward not having him around because he's going to miss the entire season?
0: Well, I think it'll be about the same for Florida. I mean, I see them being a competitor in the SEC, but I don't think they're going to win the SEC. I don't think they're going to the college football playoff. Um did I like what I saw I mean Kyle Kyle Trask did better, you know he led the comeback um so I mean but i i did I did want to mention too you know when we talk about this game, I mean I really like the call by Dan Mullen, you know, the jet sweep at the end of the game I mean, I like it at the end of the game, you know, teams like to play it really conservative, and Dan Mullen played it aggressive and he ended up winning the game he ended up putting the game away so that, you know, I give credit to Dan Mullen. Um, you know, on the Felipe Franks, I mean, seeing that injury was just gruesome. I mean, it was just, I was shook. Like, you know, it just, it's the kind of injury where you you can't really think about the game, you know, afterwards for a little bit, you you know, you kind of, you kind of sit I mean, I just, you know, I'm sitting by the TV kind of Googling like latest on, you know, Felipe Franks, you know, what, what's, what's going to happen because, um, you know, he he looked like he was in a lot of pain. I mean, he was, I mean, it it almost looked like he was crying. He was in extreme pain. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's not you know like the type of injury that's going to hurt his spine or his head, but it's a serious injury, and it's a good thing he's a junior because I, I really am rooting for this guy to come back for his senior year. And you know, I because I think he I think he has an NFL future. I think he I think he can be a number two in the NFL. So I mean, the hope is is that you know, he he has a dislocated ankle and that he can come back and play because he, he is, you know, he is capable of playing in the NFL. And it's, I mean, it, it, the, the play just shook me.
1: You know, the most gruesome injury that I saw on the football field wasn't live. It was Willis McGahee um, a while back when he was playing for the Miami uh, Hurricanes in the National Championship game. The knee injury, it was, it was brutal watching on TV. I mean, that's just... I was watching. I was like, "Whoa!" I held my breath, and I was like, "I hope this guy's gonna come back." Obviously, he had a, a very good career in the NFL. Was that the most gruesome injury that you've seen on the football field? Gosh, I, I can even think of the
0: year last year with the Cowboys. Uh, I can't remember. He was a, he was a number two or three receiver, and he just he, he like he like snapped his 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 foot or his ankle or something, and it just snapped in a weird way. It was so disgusting that that shook me. But, you know, probably the one that affected me the most was Ryan Shazier's injury. Just because, I mean, it was like one of those things where, I mean, you, 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 there was no update and you you didn't know if he was going to ever walk again. I mean, it's like, if it's his limb, it's like, you know, I mean, eventually they can fix it. But, you know, if it's, if it's his back, I mean, that's such a crucial, that's so important to his nervous system. And it's just, So, I mean, to answer that question in short, I would say the Ryan Shazier injury was probably the worst I've ever saw. And the Ryan Shazier injury, I mean, you know, he lowered his head, but he, you know, it wasn't like he was playing with reckless abandonment. It was just a, a wrong place at the wrong time, and, you know, it just, it just, it was bad luck, and it just, you know, he was playing aggressive, and, you know, it was, it was, that, that was the type of rivalry where it was just violent and violent and violent. And now it, now I feel like it's really de-escalated.
1: So the top teams in college football during Week 2 action, they, they all won big. Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Auburn. They weren't shook up. I mean, they, they went in there, they beat the opponents that they were supposed to beat. I wanted to mention a couple of teams that did go down. Teams in the in the top twenty-five. You and I, well, me, I gave praise to the USC Trojans uh, last week, and they lost to BYU in uh, in overtime, thirty to twenty-seven. That was a big hit. Temple beat number twenty-one Maryland, twenty to seventeen. I saw the Arizona State game against Michigan State. Michigan State went down seven ten-seven. They lost another defensive battle. And then you off the air, you and I talked about it, Pittsburgh against Penn State. A little bit of a weird game. Talk to me about it.
0: Well, you know, they were down by about a touchdown, and Pitt was driving, and it was the fourth quarter, and, you know, they they could have went for it on, on fourth down, and they ended up kicking the field goal. I think there was about four minutes left in the game. So they were literally expecting to get the ball back and score again, and then he misses the field goal, so... Um, that was an example of you know just playing it too conservative. I mean, I, I think when you're when you're the lesser team, I mean, you know, when you're the underdog like Pittsburgh was against Penn State, you have to play aggressive. And the, the, I mean, they they were just overly conservative. And I give credit Pittsburgh credit for hanging in that game, but I mean, that was just that, that was just it was Patton Arduzi just played it way too conservative. I mean, that was ridiculous.
1: He actually defended himself in, in the press conference. Uh, he, he really did. And uh, look, in, in that situation, you got to go for it. If you want to win the game, you got to go for it. You got to roll the dice. And uh, he, he sounded like a coach that was kind of second guessing himself, but to reporters, he was making it seem like he made the right decision. I don't, I don't know how you make the right decision in, in that situation. I mean, at times you just think about it like head coaches are way too conservative. You you gotta go with it. You gotta take risks, like you do in business, like like you do with with some of your decisions out there. I mean, you can't play it safe all the time.
0: I mean, I almost feel like they were taking a risk because they were saying, okay, you know, you, we get three points, and then it's like we have to get the ball back and score within four minutes. And it's like, you know, yeah, that yeah. I mean, they score a touchdown and they win the game, but you know, if they stop Penn State, but it's like you know, you're still taking a risk because if Penn State Penn State comes back and scores, you know, it's it's over and, and the field goal is just null and void. So, I mean, it was it was it was almost it was it was almost not even not even not taking the risk. It was almost just it was just like it, it, he didn't he didn't he didn't it was just he didn't see he didn't really see how the game was going to play out.
1: I wanted to mention the, the Heisman Trophy odds, uh, according to Bovada. Uh, they've got Trevor Lawrence as the favorite, plus 300. They've got Tua Tong Viola, plus 400. And Jalen Hurts is in there. He is third, plus 600. So those are the three favorites right now, according to Bovada, on September 12th. Uh, I'm sure they'll they'll have some more odds coming out after this weekend. And then I see Joe Burrow being fourth on the list. Justin Fields being sixth and Justin Fields has really surprised me I I thought he was going to be a quarterback that was going to disappoint because there was going to be a lot living up to Uh, obviously Ohio State quarterbacks have done well in the past I mean we we go through the list and Dwayne Haskins had a great year last year Uh, but Justin Fields uh, with J.K. Dobbins that's that's a lethal combination right there and and Fields is just going to be moving up that list in, in that Heisman Trophy voting, and it seems like he's going to continue the Ohio State tradition. I mean, he's been fantastic so far.
0: Yeah, he really has been. And, I mean, he was the number one recruit in the country, but I, I still don't understand why he went to Georgia behind Jake Fromm when you're the number one recruit in the country. I mean, try, you know, try to go to a school where you can start or at least start as a sophomore redshirt your freshman year because you want to get as much playing time as possible. I mean, for him to think that he was going to play over Jake Fromm at Georgia was just crazy. But, you know, he is a good player. He's a good dual-threat quarterback. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, is he kind of more of a Kyle Kyler Murray type or is he, you know, more of a Jalen Hurts type? But uh, I, I think another story, I mean, Jalen Hurts has really played well. I mean, you know, they've... Oklahoma hasn't played anybody really particularly hard, but they've 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 rolled over everybody and Jalen Hurts has put up big numbers and I mean he's doing what he did in Alabama and he's actually even doing it better at Oklahoma. I mean he's he's showed that he's progressed, so it's a nice story, and I think he's the story of the Heisman race.
1: Is this gonna happen like third straight year in a row that we'll see the Oklahoma quarterback win the Heisman trophy? We have Baker Mayfield, Ed. We had Kyler Murray last year. Is Jalen Hurts gonna win it and, and continue this this tradition of Oklahoma quarterbacks just winning it back to back to back?
0: Well, wait till Tua Tongafiola starts playing the SEC conference and he starts lighting up the SEC conference like he did yesterday. Um, then then you're gonna see Tua shoot shoot up the Heisman board. So um, I, I, I I really think it's gonna be Tua or Tr- Trevor Lawrence. I think, but I do think Jalen Hurts has been the story of the of the heisman race
1: no oh, he definitely has been yeah he definitely has been it's uh, it's been incredible it really has been let's move on to our scouting report something that we do every week we feature two prospects on um, in college football guys that are eligible and this time for the 2020 nfl draft and we're focusing on an offensive player and a defensive player and let's start with a running back from Georgia and Georgia has a tradition of running backs you know coming out and having success at the next level and I can go on and on with the list I mean obviously we've got like Todd Gurley and we had Nick Chubb and Sonny Michel and they, they had some guys before that as well Georgia just continues to to roll out these prospects for the NFL guys that are drafted high every year and they have another one this year, a guy that, that took a backseat, uh, but we saw him last year, and this year he's the featured guy. His name is DeAndre Swift. Let's talk about his strengths, Ed.
0: Well, I think the one thing is, is he's a shifty runner who can make t- peep- tacklers miss. Um, he's also an explosive runner. I don't see him running a lot between the tackles, but I noticed that he can be very explosive between the tackles, which is something I like. Um, I think he's, but I think he's particularly strong as an outside runner. His bread and butter is kind of that outside, outside run. Um, you know, he's able to sort of get to the edge faster, and you know, when he gets himself against those corners, you know, he can be quicker. Um, he flashes in pass protection. Um, you know, I think he has some potential in that area um, with some development. Um, he's able to catch out of the backfield. Um, I mean, what are what are what are the main things that you're seeing that are strengths from DeAndre Swift?
1: I think his biggest strength is his ability to make that first defender miss. When he sticks his foot in the ground, uh, he's just able to to do it so quickly. I, I I've never seen that. His cuts are are incredible uh, at times. Uh, the the way he's able to to shift in and out. I've never seen that. Maybe like Devontae Freeman. It kind of reminds me of Devontae Freeman a little bit. A guy that gets his pads down, that can can move the pile a little bit, but he's he's kind of... uh, He's got power and he's got speed. I don't think we see enough of that. You mentioned that. We don't see enough inside the tackle uh, runs from him. But I just... I I love that shiftiness. I, I love the ability to make those explosive cuts very quickly it happens it, it happens like a split of a second i mean it's just i haven't seen that in in a guy in a while and uh i think his vision is good i think he's seen the defenders um, he's already looking at the second level I mean, he knows he's going to make that first guy miss um i love that he runs with good pad level and i also love in today's nfl i had the fact that he catches the ball out of the backfield so well—he looks like a natural. Uh, he looks like a receiver. I mean, we see the impact that that running backs have. Guys like Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, guys that can add that extra dimension and um, are able to uh, be explosive catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, you know, they're getting 25, 30, maybe even more touches a game. DeAndre Swift can be that type of player in the NFL as well. I mean, he's going to be so valuable. Uh, the the knock on him again, it's inside running. I also think that he needs to become a better pass blocker, and I also believe yeah, that you know he's a bit undersized, and uh, some teams are going to look at that. I mean, he's not six feet tall. Um, he is he is a big guy. He's got a thick you know he's got thick thighs, but. Um, that, that's probably the one thing that, that, that I'm seeing that's going to be a knock on him a little bit.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't see, I don't see a bruiser in DeAndre Swift, but I kind of think about guys like Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, he, he kind of will have the same knock that those guys had. And, you know, I'll admit, I, I kind of knocked those two guys for the same reason. You know, I thought Alvin Kamara was more of a day two guy. He ended up being a day two guy because, you know, he wasn't the biggest guy. He wasn't the biggest bruiser and, just, you know, the, the elite backs of the past have always been kind of bigger bruisers. But, you know, we're seeing Christian McCaffrey do it. We're seeing Alvin Kamara do it. And I think now DeAndre Swift is able to kind of be in that mold.
1: I love how you always exclude Saquon Barkley from this conversation.
0: <laughs> back to this again. I, all right, I, I'm going to say Saquon Barkley is a good back. I'm just going to leave it at that.
1: <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm expecting you next year to say that he's a great back. You know, when, when are we going to take it up a notch? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, he's become, a, I'm, a, I'm always going to be his a... doubter.
0: So you know, when he when he when he goes to the Hall of Fame, I'm going to say, well, he he should have been a second ballot Hall of Famer. You know, I'm, I'm just always going to I'm always going to take the side against him. I don't know. Maybe I just I just I don't know. I had a falling out with Penn State or something.
1: <laughs> I, I'm sure you're going to be his presenter at the Hall of Fame <laughs> <laughs> speech. He's Like you know ed hunt doubted me you know i was i, I put up all these numbers at penn state I was i was great at the scouting combine but edward hunt was just was my biggest <laughs> doubter and here he is he's my presenter <laughs> and, and and you'll be like yeah saquon you're a pretty good back you
0: know <laughs> you're a pretty okay, good back. you're okay <laughs> i i yeah, I, I, dra- a- I draft you top three in fantasy <laughs> No, you know, you know what, it, you know what, it, I, I actually was a Penn State fan when I was a kid. I and I, I don't know what happened. I guess I just became more of a Pit fan as I get older. But um, started to learn the rivalries a little bit. But um, you know, he he is he he has bulked up a little bit. He is he is you know he is obviously you know one of the quicker backs in the league and. Um, you know, I almost, I almost feel like he's different from Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey in the sense that, you know, he, he has sort of bulked up and he has a little bit more power than he used to. I mean, are you seeing that from Saquon?
1: No, he does. He does. I, I think in in Penn State he wanted to run around people a little bit more uh, for some reason. Even though he's still a bigger guy, but he wanted he preferred to kind of make people miss because I guess he trusted his four three speed. I think in the NFL, they, they taught him that it's okay. You don't have to always run around people. Take on blockers. Move the pile. You know, you have power, and, and you can run with it. He has become a better inside runner as because when I evaluated him as a college prospect, he was great, but the knock on him a little bit was his vision and his inside running, and I think he, he preferred to run around people. Right now, I'm seeing a guy that, that can do many different things, and I think NFL coaching is... I mean, he's taking that well and uh they they've done a great job with him. And um he's just he looks like a complete back. It's just it's too bad that he's stuck on, on a bad Giants team and they're not going anywhere and he's not gonna get the the recognition. It's almost like Barry Sanders w- was stuck on the bad Detroit Lions teams and yeah, people talked about him. He was great, he was the best running back, but he was still on the Detroit Lions. I just I don't want Saquon Barkley to play out, you know, the prime of his career for the next 10 years, and people are going to talk about him, yeah, he's a great player, he's a superstar, but he's playing on the New York Giants, who never make the playoffs. I think it'd be a stretch to say the
0: Giants will be bad for that long, for 10 years, I think I think maybe, you know, I, I, I mean, I could see them missing on Daniel Jones, and that's usually a four or five year mistake, but... I, I, the Giants are one of the sort of prouder franchises. I mean, I think they might have one of the biggest followings in the NFL. So, I mean, I see, I see the Giants eventually figuring it out. You know, they might have to go through a few coaches and a few quarterbacks, but I don't think all of Saquon Barkley's career they're going to be bad. And you know, I mean, if it, if it, if it doesn't look good after four years or you know four years and they pick up his option, then he can he can always sign with somebody else.
1: Let's. Go back to DeAndre Swift. Uh, you told me that you had a comment. Uh, there was a comment from a college football uh, sportscaster that said that Swift is the best running back in the 2020 NFL draft. How do you feel about that? And how do you, uh, obviously, they're a little bit different, uh, but how do you compare him with, with somebody like Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin?
0: If I'm going to be honest how I feel I I was pretty angry when he said that cuz it was I almost wanted to be like in all caps Have you seen Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> you know um but I mean you know DeAndre DeAndre Swift is definitely definitely uh you know a first round talent but I mean Jonathan Taylor is just a lead in every way I mean he He's the most complete runner I've seen in a while. He deserves to be a top five pick. I don't know how you could put DeAndre Swift over Jonathan Taylor just with because Jonathan Taylor just has the power he just he can carry the load in the way that DeAndre Swift can.
1: Well at Georgia again, I keep coming back to this. at Georgia they feature DeAndre Swift as a receiving back. They don't do that at Wisconsin and that's going to be a knock on on Jonathan Taylor coming out. I'm sure they're going to throw it to him a little bit more, but they just don't do it that often. He's going to have to answer those questions in, at the scouting combine and leading up to workouts. That's that's going to be a huge knock on him. People are going to be wondering, I mean, can he catch the football? It seems like he has soft hands, but he's going to have to answer questions. Plus, I keep coming back to this, Ed, a uh, statistic that I saw. 12 fumbles for Jonathan Taylor over two years. He's got a heavy load, he always carries the ball a lot, he gets over 2,000 yards obviously you're going to put the ball on the ground but 12 fumbles is is a large number
0: I, I trust a guy like Jonathan Taylor to hold on to the ball stronger than a guy like DeAndre Swift, I mean DeAndre Swift is 5'9", 215 so I mean those big powerful linebackers you know are going to are gonna outstrengthen him to knock the ball out so I'd, I'd to be honest
1: uh, do you, you see DeAndre? Do you see DeAndre Swift sneaking into the first round if he continues to make explosive plays and uh, is going to continue to have a good season? I mean, we saw the Patriots spend a first-round pick on somebody like Sony Michel. Do you see Swift as a, a late first-round talent?
0: Yeah, I think I think we're going to see a lot of receivers and a lot of running backs taken in this draft. I think a lot of teams are going to try to get that playmaker in the first round. So because i I, i'm not i'm just not seeing the talent in the first round on the defensive side of the ball i'm not i'm i'm not that thrilled about the offensive line talent in this draft i mean there's a couple quarterbacks but it's not like it's like the 2017 draft as far as quarterbacks so really i mean we're gonna see a lot of running backs taken in i mean is he is he a top three back is he a top four back for sure
1: No, he really is. He really is. And he might be a top two back. I think it's him and Jonathan Taylor. But I'm also liking what I'm seeing from Cam Akers here early for Florida State. Seminoles continuing to lose games, but Cam Akers looks like a special talent as well. Somebody to kind of keep a close eye on. Nobody's talking about him. He had a, a promising freshman season, didn't do as well as a sophomore, coming into his own as a junior. And I think another guy to keep an eye on here. Uh, Ed Bovada, you can bet on all of your favorite sports over a host of different betting platforms. And Bovada's got you covered. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, Ed. And we've got an interesting name here. We've got a Penn State defensive end. His name is Yetter Gross Mottos. Uh, A big defensive end who, who had a good sophomore year and. He seems to be the leader of that defense at Penn State. So let's talk about him.
0: Well, I mean, I guess the first thing to say about him is he, he fits best as a 4-3 defensive end. Um, he is a good tackler. He's, you know, kind of guy who can flatten, uh, you know, when he gets across the offensive line. Um, you know, there's, there's just kind of some things that I, I'm not really too happy about in his game.
1: No, let's, let's focus on his strengths. So, do you think he's a good run defender, Ed? Because I believe that he's a very good run defender.
0: I think he sets the edge in the run game. Um, but, you know, I think he needs to get off blocks better. Um,
1: okay, he, he's got the size. He's got long arms. Um, he, he's got potential out there. He's got upside. So, I mean, those, those are his strengths. Um, where, what are your concerns with him? What do you want him to improve on? what do you want him to to get better
0: well i think he needs to do more as a pass rusher than speed rush the edge he does have a rip move but other than those two moves i don't really see a full arsenal of moves um he need he needs to get off blocks better in the run game um he needs to fill running lanes better um get off blocks better um i think he needs better run awareness um You know, I I just. I
1: also. Tell me if you agree with this. I I don't. He doesn't have an explosive first step. He's not a guy that's getting off the ball. Um, He's not the first guy to get off the ball. So he's got to improve and and get better in terms of getting quicker off the snap. What? You agree with me on that? Yeah, and
0: and it's just. You know, he, he tries to be a speed rusher, and I understand in college football it's going to be more acceptable but at the next level they're not going to just tolerate a, a speed rusher especially a guy who's not he's not particularly he's not particularly built to be a speed rusher so i mean he needs to know himself he needs to develop more of a power move
1: he's got to obviously use his hands better i mean that that's the one thing that i noticed i mean that's something he's got to work on and uh, i agree with you pass rush repertoire moves he's got to expand uh, if he wants to take his game up a notch. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people talk about him as a first-round pick, and to me, it looks preposterous.
0: Yeah, I I, I, I I, wouldn't take him in the first round. I mean, sometimes people are just looking for guys to mock in the first round, and this is, a, you know, an attractive name for, you know, whatever reason. But, I mean, I, I don't—I mean, he could light it up in the combine, but other than lighting it up in the combine— I think he's kind of one of those guys that
1: kind of falls to the third or fourth round. So right now, you and I both feel he is overrated. Definitely. I mean, I just, I don't see that. I, it's like my Kenneth Murray, you know, being mocked into the first round. Some people have a problem with that. I've seen a lot of people mock Yeter uh, gross mottos there as well. But he's got a long way to go. I'm sure he's going to come out because... This isn't a strong draft when it comes to uh, defensive linemen and when they're looking at at defense, and I'm sure he's going to take advantage of that because he's got size, he's got long arms, he seems to be pretty athletic, and I'm sure he's going to do pretty well at the scouting combine, but... I just I don't see a special talent here. I I don't see a guy that, that deserves to go in the first round. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's gonna light it up here. It's only the beginning of the season and he's just gonna go and he's gonna play well against Michigan and Ohio State and Wisconsin and he's just gonna dominate. And maybe I'm gonna take my words back come December or January. But right now I just I don't see a special talent here.
0: I, I see a guy who has to do has to have a really good off season and has to improve in the Penn State season, to really be a first-round pick, um, you know, I need to see improvement. You know, he needs to, you know, if, from the tape I see. I mean, I, I, you know, if he if he's winning matchups, you know, if he gets to the Senior Bowl, he, he'd be an interesting guy to bring to the Senior Bowl. You know, if he's winning matchups in the Senior Bowl, maybe maybe you take him in the. Well, first. he's
1: only a junior. He's only a junior, Ed. Uh, unless he graduates this year, he, he's not going to be at the Senior Bowl.
0: Yeah. So I. To be honest with you, I, I think I think it might be smart for him to stay in school. Um, you know, develop some power moves. You know, and develop a bull rush. You know, maybe work on your in. You know, work more on sort of an inside rip move because we've seen guys be successful with kind of an inside rip move. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he. I don't think he's going to be ready for the NFL come the end of the season.
1: Bavara Sportsbook uh, takes uh, bettors closer to the action. It's, it's fun, it's safe, and it's fast. It's uh, sports betting made easy. Um, Ed, we talked about week three action, and um, uh, obviously we're going to focus on that, and we've got week two in the NFL, and you and I talked about the Saints versus the Rams, and um, you know, give us a closing statement just in general, what you've been... Obviously, football season isn't is in full swing and, and we're watching these quarterbacks putting putting up huge numbers with Justin Fields and, and, and Tua and, and, and Trevor Lawrence and, and Jalen Hurts just give us a closing you statement. Know, I, just words of wisdom, I, Ed.
0: You know, I kinda look at the season and what I've seen so far is I I'm not seeing too many surprises. I'm just not I'm just not shocked. I'm not seeing a lot of a lot of you know mix-ups in the top 25 in college football. I'm not, I'm not, you know, a lot of my predictions are going, you know, when is the same and, um, you know, but the the one thing that I am noticing a little bit that's a little bit off from sort of the norm is that I'm noticing a lot of injuries this year. And I guess we always talk about it early in the season, but I just feel like there's a lot of gruesome injuries and there's been a lot of injuries this this early in the season. That's that's kind of what that's kind of what stuck out to me.
1: Words of wisdom from Edward Hunt, and um, I'm Alex Kavtov. This was Blitzcast number 73. Thank you for listening. Take care. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.